Welcome to Plan for Divorce, your next chapter with host Brooke Benson. Over the next hour, you'll learn from experienced professionals the options you have to make smart decisions in your own divorce journey. Now, here is your host. Hi there. My name is Brooke Benson. Welcome to Plan for Divorce, your next chapter. I saw a wedding planning magazine and realized people need the same kind of guide for getting unmarried. I don't advocate for divorce, and in fact, I don't even get involved in relationship issues at all. If you decide to end a relationship, or your partner does, I am here to help with sensible, practical, and often low-cost ways to prepare for the split. Only when you know what you want can you work toward your own best outcomes? And there are many professionals with specialties in the area of divorce. This show is dedicated to hearing from them, compiling some of their best information and incorporating it into, oh, I have incorporated into my workbook by the same name. Follow Plan for Divorce on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Today, we are very fortunate to hear from two proven experts in the field Recording of divorcing with real estate. My first guest today is Malia Wayman. She has two degrees from the University of Texas, um, a bachelor's degree in her law degree. She is also a certified divorce lending expert which means that she helps her clients through all different phases of a real estate transaction. She can offer um, special advice on pricing, marketing, and selling their homes, including a unique model listing designed for divorce cases. She has over $70 million in sales, and she is an award-winning realtor in the greater Austin area. Welcome, Malia. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I am familiar with what you do, but for listeners who don't understand exactly what the CDRE designation is, can you tell us more about that? Sure. So a CDRE is a certified divorce real estate expert, and uh, we are certified through the Alumni Institute. So we're trained to be a neutral third-party expert Um, to support and help uh, family law community and divorcing homeowners and uh, transactions that involve real estate. So we are trained in the intersection of divorce law and real estate, divorce finance. Um, We have a unique code of ethics. Um, We are trained in in negotiation, expert testimony. And then, like you said earlier, um, we implement a listing model that is specifically designed for divorcing homeowners or uh, two people that just by the name of divorce may be in conflict. So I know that there are quite a few um, people across the United States who have this designation. How would you characterize your own personal mission or your approach to this job? Well, uh, what makes us more unique, um, you know, not just the 
continuing training that we go uh, through, not just in the certification, but it's an ongoing um, education that we attend uh, case studies, um, continuing le legal education and uh, mastermind groups through the Alumni Institute. Um, and then I also referenced our ethics code that's above the National Association of Realtors and the TREC rules. So all of our transactions are conducted at an arm's length. We're not going to have any you know, emotional involvement, no personal or business uh, interest in the outcome of the, the transaction. Um, we're going to always have the families and the, uh, the divorcing homeowners' interests above the sale. And then that also includes we will not represent one of the spouses in the purchase of a home during the divorce listing. So with all of that combined and uh, being able to get ahead of the challenges that uh, facilitating a real estate transaction during a divorce presents, getting ahead of those uh, challenges ahead of the game is part of our mission, um, but it's also to bring all four puzzle pieces that I think are what's necessary to have a divorce uh, come to completion. You've got divorce law, uh, tax law, and then the real estate piece of it, and of course, mortgage financing. And so if we can all collaborate together, all of these experts um, with our knowledge and focus on our expertise and collaborate together, I think it could just make divorcing homeowner um, the experience and the transaction go much more smoother and with the least amount of conflict and hopefully with the maximum proceeds uh, for, for both spouses. So it's interesting. Same thing you said in that, that you are ensuring <clears throat> that it's arm's length for you. So you as the CDRE, you don't have any affiliation or dog in the race, so to speak. You are a trusted neutral advisor. Yes. And that also means just being a resource to the family law community or divorcing homeowners, you know, just to provide information um, if that's what the, they need, uh, just to be a, a resource, you know, whether it be about uh, the real estate market, data trends, uh, a CMA for their home. Um, so a lot of information there that, you know, may or may not end up in a transaction. That's, that's fine. So I, 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 you know, my goal is to be a resource to the divorcing homeowners and to the family law community. Uh, but also, yes, we will uh, will not participate uh, in the purchase of the divorce listing. So it would never be me or any relationship with the buyer uh, purchasing the divorce listing. Um, and yes, I, I wouldn't have any personal or vested interest in the listing itself. Um, um, can yeah. you tell us more about the alumni institute? <clears throat> what specifically does it? What's the function of that? So the alumni institute is it's a faculty of uh, family law attorneys, mediators, real estate professionals, uh, divorce lending professionals, um, and also judicial officers um, that teach this program. That it's a, a pretty rigorous. Um, curriculum that goes through, you know, like I said, all of the, the intersection of divorce law and real estate, 
It's about a four month long program. It's interview and application only. And then you also go through weekly testing, oral and uh, written tests. And then uh, finally, training and expert testimony. So at the very end of the program, you do go through uh, a board dire experience or mock trial um, and doing expert testimony. So, um, and the Alumni Institute was founded by Laurel Starks. um, And so she created this program because she has, well, she's been in the real estate industry for, for years and years and years. And some of her first cases, she was appointed to um, by the court to uh, to represent these divorcing homeowners in the sale of the home. And so she was experiencing challenges and obstacles and thought there has got to be a system that, you know, and, and protocols in place to make this work better for everybody. Yeah, to kind of standardize what happens, because, mm-hmm. I mean, with a divorce, Every divorce is different, obviously, and there are different concerns, but I think the basic pieces do tend to, you know, repeat themselves with sometimes an outlying issue or concern. So I I do think standardizing some of these processes is helpful to everyone. Um, So it's clear to me you have a lot of education on this and a lot of experience working in these kinds of situations. What are, um, this question is almost kind of funny, but what, because divorce is fraught with conflict. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons I started this show was to talk about, you know, it's not always smooth sailing and it's not always amicable and it's, you know, everyone's fortunate when it is, but you've got two people who are really at odds with each other. So what kind of problems do you see very frequently in working with two people who are getting divorced? Oh, well, (laughs) there could be, um, you know, there could be more common issues all the way to, you know, (laughs) rare occasions that are, you know, much more extreme. Um, But I guess some of the examples would be, um, you know, one spouse uh, may not be uh, on board with the sale, or maybe they're on board, um, but they've got fear um, or, you know, lack of clarity or lack of information as far as what does their life look like? post-divorce. So that's one thing, you know, it's not uncommon for one spouse while they're married to be kind of the managing spouse of either the house or the finances or, um, you know, all of the details. And maybe the other one doesn't, you know, she or he hasn't been involved in what that looks like. And so life after divorce is hard to see, you know, it's hard to envision past the cloudiness of the, you know, kind of trauma and emotional distress that you're going through. So, um, so let, you know, if one person is fearful of the sale or untrusting of the other person's decisions, um, then that can be a source of conflict. Um, you know, if, if we've got one spouse living in the house and another one doesn't, but the end spouse doesn't necessarily want to sell because, you know, maybe they don't know what their equity looks like. They don't know what their proceed distribution looks like. Where are they going to go? What can they afford? And then, 
you know, is that scary to them? And, you know, what kind of insecurity is there? So, so in your training, have you kind of learned to detect some of that? Definitely. So, you know, that's one thing and it starts from the very beginning phone call that we would have or meeting, um, with one of the spouses, uh, it's usually one, you know, it's very rarely that they're both contacting you. So, uh, you know, it's part of our intake procedures or list of questions, you know, can kind of gauge what's the cooperation level, where's everybody's heads out at, you know, and um, what's the level of conflict looking like now, um, you know, and then are there court orders in place? What's in the court orders? Are there temporary orders in place? What do those say? Right. Um, you know, do they have a thought about what the home is worth or are they in agreement? I was going to bring that up because, um, you know, as you know, I'm a divorce lending specialist and I spoke last week and told a group that typically the person who is departing the residence has a much larger figure in mind for the house's, you know, worth and the person who intends to keep it, if there is going to be someone who keeps it and refinances it, they don't think it's worth that much. And everybody in the room started laughing, but it's, (laughs) I mean, do you find that pricing is a huge factor in this? I know that you can come at it with comparables and actual facts Mm -hmm. from the current market, but do you often find that one person has a really inflated idea of what it might sell for? Well, sometimes that can happen. It just depends on what is their, um, you know, what are their physical and financial motivations behind what's going on? You know, are they are they wanting to buy out and keep the house? Do they want to sell and split the proceeds? And how are those going to be split? And then um, what is that? look like uh, for them is, you know, is there any kind of tracing of separate funds involved? I mean, that's, that's, you know, more rare, but um, yeah, the idea of what. But it may be that somebody owned the property, you know, bought the house and was living in it before they married. So I would think that does come up pretty often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so then it also depends on, yeah, are we doing a buyout? Um, And then what, what agreed amount are we going to, you know, put the, what, what value are we going to give the house? Um, so, you know, I had one case that, uh, you know, they had a CMA and um, that CMA was produced months before they ever went to mediation. Well, they never, you know, they never reassessed value. Value it, right. Mm-mm. Update the value. And so mediation negotiations were all based on a value of, you know, four months ago, five months ago. And when the interest rates started changing and price corrections started uh, happening and we saw 10 to, you know, 15% price reductions, then that's, you know, that could have been a disservice to that client. Yeah. (laughs) Buyer, um, you know, that ended up paying more than the home was worth by the time uh, it was finalized. Right. So um, that can happen. Yeah. But um, as far as list prices, yeah. Can we agree? Um, You know, and that's part of my job too, to create a thorough uh, market assessment of the home um, and not just take into account the solds, but 
what does the market look like in that area right now? What are what's the existing competition? What's the days on the market look like? What's going pending and what, you know, what price point are those at and what do they look like? What type of home is that? So taking all of those factors into account rather than just an appraisal right. can help give clarity. So when you first are contacted and you mentioned it's usually one person and not both people, what are problems that if if they mention, you know, we're going through a divorce or, you know, we're about to start our process, are there issues that you sort of anticipate ahead of time that maybe wouldn't be present if it were just a straight, you know, I want to sell my house? Oh, definitely. Um yeah, so you know, asking questions about um, you know, do they have attorneys um yet, you know, and do I have uh, authorization to get that contact information? What does that look like? Is the other spouse on board with listing and do you know, if they've been talking to uh, other realtors or um, you know, what's the agreement there? and communication there. Are there any court orders um, regarding the sale of the home? Um, Are there any restraining orders or protective orders in place? Who's living in the home? Who's living outside the home? Or are they both in the home because they don't have the funds, you know, to to go anywhere else? So trying to get, uh, you know, those those questions answered, you know, and that's not even the financial side of it yet, but, to wrap my head around, you know, what does the situation look like? And then, um, you know, go into, you know, who's on the title, who's on the mortgage? Um, you know, I, I, do they have any other liens, foreclosures, late payments, forbearance? You know, all those questions that I can try to get a handle on what we're looking at. And then, um, so, Typically, if one person does uh, contact me, then I'll, you know, I'll have the same conversation with spouse number two on the phone because the provider of information in the first call, you know, that could that may or may not be accurate. You know? Well, and so, it may, yeah. right. It may be accurate for that person, but the other right. person, as you were talking about motivations or fear about something, I mean, they may have, I have noticed in what I can objectively look at as here's what's happening, but two people in a relationship have slightly different perspectives on that. So I would imagine that you would have to go through almost the exact same questions with the Mm -hmm. other person. Right. And just also, you know, establishing that's the whole neutrality uh, portion of it too. Every conversation I have with one regarding the sale of the home or that has to do with the home is going to be, you know, held with the other as well. So equal communication, with both parties regarding matters that have to do with the listing. Um, So then going through questions, you know, like what does spouse one think the value is? What does spouse two think the value is? Um, And then what are the plans for the parties post-divorce? You know, do they think that they may want to buy? Are they going to go rent? You know, then you can kind of gauge um, the emotional aspect there too. You know, is there, somebody that's very emotionally tied to the home or, you know, to the marriage that maybe they don't want the divorce, maybe the other one does, you know, so there's that whole dynamic of 
things that could possibly come up and anticipate as far as, um, uh, you know, resisting the sale, sabotaging the sale, um, you know, disagreements on repairs and, and contract terms. I mean, you know, the, the list goes on sure. and on. It's, yeah, it's not always, uh, you know, full of conflict, but being able to get ahead of the issues before they arise and create, you know, hindrances and delays or explode the whole transaction later. Yeah. Um, so these type of questions can help me understand where everybody's at and what potential issues could arise. Do you ever feel like a buyer's agent might be reluctant to show a property they know is, you know, subject to a divorce? Well, they wouldn't learn that information from me. They wouldn't. No. Do you think so they would assume it with CDRE or are you doing so many transactions that they really no, would not? Not necessarily. No, not at all. Um, all of the information that's shared with me about the divorce is is completely confidential. Um, nothing is publicized anywhere. I don't discuss any of that with other agents um, or anybody. Uh, besides, you know, got permission to talk to their attorneys, but that's sure. That's, yeah, that's where it goes. But no, I've got uh, plenty of traditional real estate business, too, that this is not, you know, it's not assumed that if I'm working with somebody that they're going through a divorce. Right. OK, so, so um, the guest who's following you is going to talk, you know, a lot about, <clears throat> excuse me, financing, whether it's buying and moving on property, you know, during the course of the divorce, or if it's someone who wants to refi and maybe has to buy out the other spouse. But I'm curious to hear kind of from your perspective as both an attorney and a realtor, what happens if the couple gets divorced and both spouses do remain on title? I mean, in my role, I try to encourage people to clear up title issues concurrent Mm -hmm. to the divorce. But we all know that it happens. And sometimes, at least in my case, to some consternation, because then they come back later and want to make a change. And by that time, you know, the water is pretty polluted. But if you have a couple who are, you know, planning to get divorced, and let's just say suddenly the court has an, you know, clear docket and they grant the divorce, what are the problems when both parties remain on title to the marital residence? Well, um, you know, I, just like you said before, um, you know, part of my job, if, if we are going to sell, um, you know, there could be emotional, the house is, is encompassing, you know, the, the financial tie to each other, could be emotional ties, the children, the livelihood. There's a lot wrapped up in that that's so sensitive. Um, and so if two people to stay on title and, uh, you know, you kind of miss the opportunity to have closure. Um, and I'm not saying one is right, one is wrong, but the door's still open um, as far as issues that may arise later. Uh, you know, disagreements on what's going to happen later. Any, you know, disputes over repairs that need to be done. Who's going to pay for those property taxes, you know, um, insurance, uh, you know, 
What about if you want to refi or sell later, then what does that look like? Right. Uh, And what if the interest rates have changed? I mean, I'm thinking specifically of a case I worked on where they divorced and and the woman and the children stayed in the house and the husband at the time was fine with that. But, you know, she called me after a few years when she was having some, you know, problems with him and wanted to get him off the title. And I Mm -hmm. was trying to explain to her, it's not really as easy as just having him sign something. You know, you kind of have to revisit a lot of the questions about you were talking about tracing, you know, who owned the house before. I mean, you basically uh, the divorce is done, but you kind of have to start all over in a way. Do you agree with that? Right. Right. And then, you know, what are we doing later? You know, if one wants the other one off title, then, you know, do we now we've got to, you know, draft up a deed to do that. And then, you know, is that a buyout? Are they going to buy out? And then does that person qualify to put, you know, well, I mean, I guess if if they're just on title, but maybe one's paying the mortgage, I don't know what that looks like as right. far as what, what scenario is that you're Well, and that saying, just but, adds further confusion because then right. you have to look at who is on the mortgage, who's obligated on this one. And is that affecting maybe the other ones? Um, you know, like if if I'm the departing spouse and I, I don't want to be on this anymore because I want to buy my own home, you know, right. that's that I think is generally when things get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, does does it prevent the outspouse um, from yeah moving on to purchase something else, to do something else in the future? And what does that look like? But yeah. Um, as well as just the emotional ties that can continue to have you connected to that person post-divorce. Um, you know, what does that look like? Um, and, you know, then what, what type of other financial obligations are going to come up that are unforeseen? Um, right. Just by, by well, and, so. you know, same thing I pointed out specifically in that case to her was, you know, you've basically been relying on his goodwill for mm-hmm. years. And, you know, you're fortunate that things have actually gone, you know, really smoothly. But, right. you know, relying on the goodwill of someone from whom you are divorced, just at least to me, sounds like a recipe for disaster. And then, you know, it's just, it doesn't happen often, but, you know, let's say both are on title, one doesn't live there. But since they're, you know, maybe he thinks he still owns the place because he's on title. So here he comes and wants to enter, you know, you know, despite what court orders say or. or I lived through that. I mean, I, I, we sold our house when I got divorced from my children's father. But during everything that was happening, you know, he had his own place to live but it was not uncommon for me to glance out into the backyard and he's putting the hose in the pool. One time he was, you know, yes. trimming the hedges. No, I'm totally serious. Yes, exactly. You know, exactly and then there right. was one time where he got after me about, I can't remember, some kind of routine maintenance issue. And, you know, I, I didn't want to create new conflict, but I do remember feeling kind of frazzled and overworked as it was. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, I'll get on that. But you know, I've got some other things pending, including, you know, our three children. <laughs> so, right. You know, I mean, I realize you have, you know, fond feelings for this house, but right now you're not living here. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, you know, it is. It, those things happen. And I know, at least in talking to my clients, we're not always prepared for that. But, you know, in that situation, I could sort of see how he felt like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, and maybe in some weird way, he thought he was helping me out or something. But, you know, the point was just that I felt like it was right. And so then if you're in process of negotiating things too, then it it just kind of adds another layer of stress. I just, then, I mean, I honestly kind of started wondering, like, am I going to be, you know, up in the middle of the night with one of the kids and glance outside and he's like, smoking a cigar on the patty, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it just, it prevents you from being able to move on, you know, as well. So not just the entitlement on his side, but just, yeah, um, you're trapped, you know, pretty right. much if that's the behavior, right? I, we're, you and I are running out of time, but I actually okay. think okay. that something you said, if you can get it all done at once, it provides closure. And you may still have children with someone who, you know, you have to communicate for the benefit of the children, but at least the financial ties and, you know, the emotional ties through the home are severed if you can, you know, get all of that resolved prior to final divorce. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I think the last thing I would say just about what I do, and uh, if, if I have time, um, yeah, you do. It's just to, as a CDRE, you know, there's so many uh, just details and things to anticipate um, and expect that could come up. And then, you know, just tied with divorce law, that having an agent that understands uh, to have it taken at a very slow pace. I mean, it's not like a normal traditional listing, you've got to do a lot of um, due diligence and research and, and questions, you know, to be answered, um, to figure out the best path and, you know, the best choice for, for both homeowners. And it's not just, you know, a, a quick sale, you know, it, the core system is slow. This, uh, the pace needs to be a little bit slower just to make sure that everything um, is taken care of as it should be. So I think that's just the difference, too, between an agent, a traditional agent and a CDRE, understanding, uh, you know, all of the, the rocks that need to be turned over. Right. To, to I would uh, having you with a law degree and all this real estate knowledge, I would consider you a very valuable asset on my team if I were facing something like that. I mean, I'm really um, I find your level of education very appealing and just the fact that you take the time to work with both parties. And, you know, in our business, we say we don't have to hurt one side to help the other. And, you know, we're also a neutral party. So I really appreciate right. what you bring to the table. And I would imagine your clients feel very secure trusting you with, you know, what often is the biggest financial asset that a couple has, not all the time, yeah. but frequently. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much. I know you're super busy. I really appreciate your time and it was great to hear from you. So 
Um, for you listening, that was Malia Wayman. She is an attorney and a realtor. She is with Realty Austin. If you want to get a hold of her, you can look for her on their website. So great to hear from Malia. Next up, we have Bob Dwayne. Um, he had a very successful career in the food service distribution business uh, for U.S. Foods. He and his wife, Norma, have owned various businesses and um, have had entrepreneurial experience ever since they married a very long time ago. <laughs> they invested in a high-tech company in the year 2000 that had a specialty in the real estate and mortgage arenas. They sold services and leads to mortgage and real estate companies. Bob was on the board of that company and advised them on strategy. So it was that initial investment that laid the foundation for the mortgage company he has today in Grapevine, Texas, which is in Tarrant County. Bob is an expert on divorce lending and helping people through a very difficult time in their lives. He understands the laws and how to correctly use ulti liens and spousal buyouts for the departing spouse and um, facilitates the person who wants to keep the marital residence uh, the ability to get that done. As the owner of Divorce Lending Headquarters, LLC, he is passionate about educating attorneys and clients on the options available to them. And before I start from Bob, um, listeners, if you are in front of your computer, go to Divorce Lending HQ, and there is just a wealth of information on how you can finance your home um, or buy a moving on residence during the process of divorce. So Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Brooke, and it's an honor to be here. Congratulations on your show. Uh, thanks. I'm, I have really enjoyed hearing from these people with just so many resources at their fingertips and so much education. And, you know, clearly you're one of those people. So um, tell me just a brief synopsis of how you really got involved with the divorce lending part of mortgage as opposed to just regular straightforward mortgage. Well, great question. And uh, if you lined up 100 mortgage professionals and asked them uh, um, and tell them you're going through a divorce, and I would say 99, if not 100 of them, would say, come see me when you have your divorce file. And um, uh, I was convinced about 12 years ago that that's the wrong approach. The right approach is to say, let's look at it. Let's look at it ahead of time. Let's uh, collaborate with your attorney and make sure that when the divorce is final, you can refinance. And it became a passion to help um, somebody going through the tough time of a divorce. A lot of times uh, the the biggest issue is the kids, and it it thrills my heart to be able to, if they want to keep the kids in a house so they stay in that same school, to try to keep some uh, semblance of norm normality in their life, then the whole objective is, how do we help? And that's where we help ahead of time by pre-underwriting before, uh, and we're really experts in dispersed ulti, and I don't know 
other banks that will do this. If there are other banks that will do dispersed OLTs, they don't understand it and they don't understand the legalities. And and uh, you know, I'm rambling on. That's not answering your question. Your question was why and how long. And the reason the why is to help people going through a very tough time in their life. Okay, so it's got very it. rewarding to help those people. Right. I I feel similarly. So for people who don't know what an ulti lien is, and we're obviously here in Texas, Texas, um, for anyone listening across the country, you may be aware that Texas has different laws related to how we treat our homesteads. But there are similar names and similar tools in other states to facilitate a buyout of the departing spouse. So, Bob, can you give us an overview of what the Ulti lien does here in Texas? Um, I sure will, Brooke. An Ulti lien, as Brooke said, is specific for Texas. So if you're not in Texas, uh, just think the word divorce buyout. And it's the same tool, but in Texas we have some uh, specific laws. And the laws are that most, if I go back to my illustration of uh, people in the mortgage business would say, Oh, you need to buy out your spouse. That's a cash out. That's a buyout. No, an ulti or a spousal buyout, a Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, FHA and VA do not look at that as a cash out. They look at it as a spousal buyout. And probably getting in the weeds, but here's the thing you'll remember. If it's a cash out, there's more restrictions. You're limited to 80% loan to value in many states. Uh, you're limited uh, also, and your interest rate is usually at least three-eighths. And if Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have what they propose to go through this year, it'll even be a larger separation between a regular rate and term refinance and a cash-out. So that's why utilizing ULTI or a divorce buyout makes all the difference, and it's exactly what should happen. And it's what it was designed for, correct? I mean, it's not really... Cool. Yeah, it's it is designed to transfer interest or ownership among the homeowners or between the homeowners. Yeah, and an ulti can be used. It doesn't have to be just a divorce case. An ulti can be used. What it ulti really in Texas at least says you have a a portion of ownership, partial interest in that property, and it could be, you know, we've done many ulti liens of there's a parents that pass away and there's three siblings and they own, they all have one-third interest in the parent's house, that can be done through an ulti refinance. Uh, and it's just so much better than someone else. Can. And in, in that example of those three people, if it was a $300,000 house and they all had one-third value and one person wanted to keep it and live in it, They've got a hundred thousand equity going in, so they could refinance and pay off the other two siblings, and they have a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage, and they own that house. Uh, they're the rightful owners of that home. So when you look at a divorce case, Ulti, it's a spousal buyout, um, and I'm going to caution people uh, in this higher interest rate market. I've had a lot of attorneys call and a lot of clients and say, "Yeah, but my interest rate's so good." Uh, my husband always, uh, my SB, a TX, soon to be X, and then let's assume it's a male on this side. He'll pay the, he'll keep paying that bill. Well, 
he may, unless he's in a car wreck and he can't work for a year and he stops paying that, you really need to make sure you get in your divorce that you get your name off that mortgage. Uh, Even if someone else has perfect pay history and everything else, I've seen in my uh, uh, mortgage career, I've seen more people come in with messed up credit because they didn't make sure that it got refinanced. Utilizing the ulti lien protects you down the road. Right. Well, it's really kind of a win-win because the person who keeps the house is able to basically finance that payout into their new loan. And the person who's leaving that residence won't have that on their title anymore or won't have it, I'm sorry, on their credit anymore. So it frees them up to do something down the road. Is that correct? That's correct. And they can, you know, go buy another house, which, you know, after divorce, there is life after divorce. And we want to help those people and move on and and end their life and and, uh, rebuild it. And so we do purchases. We actually are one of the um, very few lenders that I know of that will do in a community property state, we can do a purchase before final divorce. Uh, in Texas, it's called a Rule 11. In other states, it's uh, worded different. But if you're going through the process of a divorce, and it's a lot of times I've seen this when there's um, actual um, uh, either physical abuse or drug abuse or any uh, substance abuse, and they have to get out, and they need to buy another uh, property to get out of that house immediately, we can help with that too. And we're um, one of the few people in the state that know how to do that. It's legal to do. You just have to have people, not only uh, your loan officer, the closer, the title company, and have have to all understand what a Rule 11 is and and be able to execute that. That's funny because you actually kind of guided me right toward my next question, which is that I, I do know for a fact, having worked in other places, that frequently mortgage loan officers are trained to just wait until it's over and then offer to help. So for those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to help during the process of divorce, what sets your office and your staff apart from, let's say, anyone else who wants to attempt uh, working with a divorcing couple? Well, we do a lot of it, and we do a lot of it because we understand it, and it's very complicated. Most people that don't understand it, they're afraid. I call it ostrich management, and we have some clients that are going through a divorce that practice ostrich management, which means if they put their head in the sand, maybe when they pull it out, all these problems will go away. I mean, all those problems are not going to go away. They're still going to be there, and so... uh, what we do is we compassionately help those people. And I didn't explain what a dispersed ulti is, but let me take just a second. Sure. I was going to circle you back uh, to it, but I think this is a good time to mention it. Go ahead. Uh, okay. And dispersed ulti is where, let's say, um, Bill and Mary are getting a divorce and Mary's keeping the house and Bill, uh, his portion of the equity is $75,000. And I want to come back and, and circle back to how you 
get to that portion of the equity, but let's just say it's agreed <laughs> I was going to have you talk about that too. So you're, you're singing my song. <laughs> All right. Now let's just assume it's 75,000, but, um, uh, Mary can't, qualify with the house with all the credit card payments at 24% interest. And so we come in and we do a dispersed ulti. And the dispersed ulti may make, make the ulti with a a proceeds um, uh, with what's called an opal, an ulti proceeds allocation letter, take and make the refinance ulti 100000 but it's dispersed 75000 to the X to bill and 25000 to pay off some of the debts that are keeping Mary from qualifying or to be able to live comfortably. So um, that's what a dispersed ulti does. And we have done it and helped so many people. Um, it's just it, it gives them breathing room when they're going through this tough time. And everybody else does that as a cash out. We're the only ones that I know of that know how to really do that and to do it right because it is not a cash out because in all the documentation, the debt is really transferred to bill and he pays it's paid at the title company. Bill doesn't write a check. The title company does. And Bill and Mary have to be in agreement with it and, and all the lawyers. And we do that uh, day in and day out and ha- help people every single day with a dispersed ulti. Yes. Biggest- so, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to jump into the equity portion. Um, Brooke can provide you, uh, you know, or we can get you access to an, you know, an accessible equity calculator. Most people think, well, I own a house; it's valued at three hundred thousand. We owe two hundred, so there's a hundred thousand dollars of equity. So Bill's split is fifty, and Mary's split is fifty. Well, that's not an accurate figure because. To get that fifty thousand out, there are closing costs, and we uh, would say that you would negotiate what part does Bill pay of that, or what is accessible, because uh, you can't access all one hundred percent of that equity. So uh, we we actually have a calculator that figures that, and also figures what if you sell the house instead of refinancing? How much money do you have to pay in real estate commission? And uh, I was listening to Mila early in excellent comments and, and a professional in that area is so needed in this time, but they get a fee and there's closing costs. So we have a calculator that figures those out. So you would know how much are you going to split if you sell the house versus how much can you do if you do a refinance with an ulti buyout to your ex-spouse. Yes, I was speaking to a group the other day and I said that oftentimes refinancing can yield more money to the departing spouse and two people at the table, you know, raise their eyebrows like give me a break. And I showed them, you know, kind of some rough numbers, but I also said kind of right off the bat, you're generally looking at paying 6%, you know, 3 to each agent. So that already lops that off right there, not including the seller pay, you know, anything the seller pays in the transaction. So it is a very important message. And I'm grateful that our listeners are getting to hear that from you, because depending on the, the whether there is debt to be paid off, what the balance of the mortgage is, um, those are factors that we look at as we're parsing through the transaction. So Bob, about, yes, no, go ahead. I was just going to, and I 
might don't want to take your conversation a different direction, but there's parts of the country like uh, I was talking to an economist the other day um, that works for one of the largest um, mortgage insurance companies. So that's all they do is look at markets and talked about the states that two states in particular that have um, housing values going down. And the reason they're going down is these two states happen to be Idaho and Arizona. And it's because during the pandemic, people were moving out of California and they're paying crazy prices for the houses because it's the law of supply and demand. And now those uh, prices in those markets, the value of those homes have dipped. And Texas hasn't seen that yet, but he told me that they're the third state on there, that they're a little nervous about the home values in Texas, which I'm bringing that up to say, don't take a six-month-old value of your house if you are going through a divorce the lender needs to order the appraisal, not the attorney, not yourself, so that you get a true third-party appraisal management company value of your property. Right. Super important. And I think that's probably true of any state if you're going through a divorce, but it is helpful, particularly in a market that could be declining, because that anything that says that in the appraisal you know, strikes fear into everyone's hearts. When you were talking about an ulti lien and and the dispersed ulti, so for you know listeners who know that debt to income ratio is an important acronym and an important consideration in getting qualified for a loan, paying off some of the joint debt or any debt that is preventing the person who wants to keep the home from getting approved, and um, paying it off through the ulti is just a real blessing because it does kind of limit the debt to income, gets it to where it's in an approvable state. Bob, can people also pay lawyer fees in an ulti dispersed? They sure can. That makes the lawyer happy. And, you know, uh, people are shocked um, when they go through, you know, a divorce and you go to the attorney and the first thing you do is you have to give them quite a bit of money as a retainer up front. And uh, you mentioned early on that I've been married for a long time, so I haven't gone through that, but my son did. And, uh, you know, when tough times and he had to go to the attorney and write a check just to have the attorney start helping him. So the average cost of a divorce um, is a lot higher than what most people think. And if it's nasty, it gets even more expensive. And we try to make we we are very cognizant of that and don't ever include an attorney in because they'll charge you for um, emails or reading an email or anything. So we don't copy them on everything that we copy a client on. But most of our divorce clients come from attorneys that know that we are specialists in this area and we will take great care and make sure we give advice to people, even if they're not um, doing a mortgage with us, we want to make sure that they are given the right advice because I, you know, part of our passion is Brooke, just like your certified divorce lending professional is to take care and help people and not to give them advice that, uh, would come back a year later or six months later. Uh, and it wasn't done right. And that was really your, that was the catalyst for you starting divorce lending headquarters. Is that right? Yep. 
it was that people need to find a way that uh, they're out there, they're looking, and um, I, here's a test that I tell people if they say, well, I'm talking to my mortgage person, ask them to explain an ulti to you. And if they can't explain it to you, that's not who you need to be talking to. Uh, right. That's the easiest litmus test is to ask somebody, explain divorce buyout or explain an ulti to me and if, to you. And if they go, well, you, you know, and they hem-haw around and they don't really understand it, but you can ask, how many ulti liens have you uh, done in the last 12 months? And if they're, well, I did a couple of that's not what I call a divorce lending specialist. You need to find somebody that really understands what's going on so that you don't end up getting um, in a pickle. Right, exactly. Um, we're running out of time, but I would like for you to just give an overview of what listeners could find on Divorce Lending Headquarters. Can you talk just briefly about the topic areas and how they might find those useful? There's a lot of uh, frequent, frequently asked questions, more in-depth about an ulti, in-depth about um, uh, Rule 11. And I'm just going to take a second and promote Brooke Benson. Brooke Benson is a true defense, de defense divorce lending. It's a little bit of defense in the divorce field. I'm defensive, so, too. So maybe I should say that. <laughs> uh, defense divorce lending specialist because she'll be your defender. And she'll be able to help you if you need any help in that area. But ForceLendingHQ.com is designed to give you information so that you are informed. An informed client is so – in going through this time in your life, I mentioned ostrich before. Don't stick your head in the sand. It's tough, and, yeah, it's emotional, and there's all those things. Um, but we want to help you get through it, and we want to help you get through it so that you can start your life. And a lot of people get to the point, and it's it's like, I just want this over. I don't care anymore. Well, don't don't ever get that way because you do care. You don't want to look two years down the road and say, you know, if I had said that or done that, it would have not cost me $30,000. You don't want to say stuff like that. So right. we want to. Divorce Lending HQ is designed to help you make sure you make the right financial decisions as you go through a divorce. Right. Bob, thank you so much. I mean, I know more than most people how busy you are, and I'm very grateful to you for being on the show. Well, Brooke, congratulations on your show, and, and I know it's going to be a, a great success. So thank you for having me as a guest. Thank you. And to our listeners, right. thank you so much for listening today. Uh, to learn more about what you heard, find Malia Wayman on Realty Austin's website and Bob Duane on divorcelendingheadquarters.com. Next week, be sure to tune in for more information on real estate matters and planning for your money in a divorce. So until next time, this is Brooke Benson signing off. Have a great weekend and a very happy 4th of July. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Plan for Divorce, Your Next Chapter with host Brooke Benson. We hope today's episode has given you a new perspective on divorce and food for thought as you make some important decisions. Until we talk again... Hang in there. You are not alone.